Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. This is Tim Grady, and I'm here with my co-host, Lou White. Lou, how are you today? I'm terrific. How are you down in Georgia? Yeah, I'm doing just fine. It's uh, Great. slightly overcast and 40 degrees, So, but I'm in a warm studio, so I don't care. <laughs> okay, uh, today we have a, a special show for our uh, listeners. Uh, we are going to be doing a... 2014 manufacturing recap and a 2015 uh, economic outlook for uh, next year. Uh, We've got uh, a lot of topics to cover. It's been a wild and uh, crazy year, uh, and we're we're going out on a wild and crazy story, Uh, not to bring it up too early in the show, but the West Coast port, uh, as of uh, one hour ago, still has no agreement from the uh, the union to sit down and meet with the federal negotiators. So that's a, an ongoing problem. But we'll talk about that uh, a little bit uh, later on. So stay tuned for that. Uh, so, Tim, wow, what a year. Well, 50 congratulations. Sh- 50, shows? 50 shows. Yeah, we made our yeah, 50th 50 show sh- today. Right. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um Considering that we also have a metals company to run um, and all the trials and tribulations of that. So uh, 50 shows, uh, I think we hit a real landmark. Uh, maybe next year it will be 100 shows. Yeah. We'll, but we'll have to talk about that offline. Yeah, I'm standing on the ledge. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Tim, what do you think? We ought to, you think we ought to tell our newer listeners what we're all about and where we came from and how we did it and why we did it? Yes, Lou. Who are we and what do we do? (laughs) Uh, We're actually an epiphany. Uh, We had an epiphany at uh, 2.30 in the morning about how can we bring uh, services and information to our customers, who are also our listeners, and bring them valued information that – Perhaps the competition can't bring to their uh, their customer base. So we're an information resource and we're a product resource. Um, the, uh, the the basis of the show is to bring uh, good information from uh, valuable uh, spokespeople, uh, industry leaders, business owners, uh, government officials, financial institutions, universities. Uh, anyone who has anything to do with manufacturing to bring information, valuable information, to uh, the manufacturing sector uh, throughout the United States and globally as well. Yeah, I think that certainly is what we've been doing throughout the year. Um, Really, our goal was in in, uh, launching Manufacturing Talk Radio was to inform manufacturers about things that that are impacting the industry and really to empower them to use some of that information to help their businesses grow. And I think what we're looking at in uh, uh, 2015, not to jump the gun a little bit here, but uh, manufacturing has typically been, depending on what you measure, um, 11 to 12% of GDP or 19 to 20% of GDP. And that, that difference is if you just measure the manufacturing floor, you get 11 to 12% of GDP. If you, measure everybody that's involved employed by a manufacturer and what that manufacturer produces, then you're at 19 to 20% GDP. So we want to impact all of those people and see where the industry is growing. Can we get it to 30% GDP, which would be exciting, an exciting development. That'd be, that'd be a real challenge. Uh, being that we were at 47, 48% down to 11, up to 20, and then 30. I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> that's, right. that's, a t- that's a tough number. That being said, uh, Old Metals and Forge Group has had a 30-plus uh, percent increase in sales during uh, 2014, and uh, we're looking very optimistic uh, for 2015 as well. Uh, 
so it seems as though everything is on, on an upward track uh, in terms of uh, our metals company. But we're going to be getting into some other topics here uh, <coughs> that would pertain to uh, our listenerships. Um, we have uh, the, the MTR uh, promise for the future is for us to uh, continue to expand uh, our show to uh, continue to bring more valuable information. And if our listeners have a particular topic that they want to have us uh, research and broadcast about and get special guests, or if, in fact, uh, any of our listeners are a potential guest, get in touch with us through um, uh, info at mfgtalkradio.com. And uh, we definitely will get back to you and respond. We've had a number of people this year who did do just that, Um, American Crane being one in Pennsylvania, and uh, uh, help me out here, uh, Tim, Arizona. Uh, Let's see, uh, Kevin Kevin Wolf Wolf. from Powell Manufacturing. Powell Manufacturing. And if uh, you're listening out there, folks, I, I wish you a happy new year, as we do all our listeners. I, I know that 2014. You know, we when we were in 2013 and looking ahead to 2014, everybody was what they call cautiously optimistic. Uh, 2014 turned out to be a really great year. I know that we stumbled a bit in the first quarter because of the snow and the ice and et cetera. And that actually, interestingly enough, was one of the linchpin pieces that put the West Coast ports behind the eight ball because the rail lines couldn't position rail cars to get them out to the west coast to haul out containers um but other than that the year's been a bang up year lou uh it has been Uh, that first quarter was a minus uh two percent gdp and i think that we're going to finish off this year at about four point something uh so we've had a, a strong second and third quarter Um, I'm not sure what the fourth quarter is going to look like. They haven't come out with it yet, but there's a lot of conjecture going on that we may have had a soft quarter. And, again, that may have something to do with uh, the ports as well. Um, There's a a lot of material sitting on the docks, sitting on the boats, sitting out in the ocean. And, unfortunately, because those boats are all sitting out there, deliveries from Asia are going to be delayed because there aren't enough boats going back to China to load up again. So it's kind of a, uh, a, a knitted hand together that uh, it's, a, it's a gear. And uh, if one can't move, the other can't move. And uh, that, that, again, is a problem we'll talk about later in the show. I know uh, what the third quarter... Sorry, I know that the third quarter was well over five uh, percent, which was, you know, for the United States, yeah. a quarter over five percent and a year over four percent is a spectacular year. We haven't seen that in decades. Uh, this is true. This is true. Uh, we may have a uh, kind of breach, breaching over into 2015 if this port issue uh, continues. Uh, we may have another first quarter um, debacle, if you will. Uh, because goods aren't uh, going to be moving. Uh, so that that could be a problem. But overall, um, according to the uh, ISM, uh, 67% of manufacturers uh, for 2015 state that it's going to be an up year. But as a, an economist that we have met recently always throws in the caveat, unless – Unless this happens or that happens and the other thing happens. So uh, I think the word unless is a very strong economist word and one that should should probably not be forgotten. This will happen unless. And uh, that being said, why don't we talk about uh, some of the things that occurred in 2014 uh, as as we know it. Um, We did have a strengthening economy, uh, manufacturing as well as uh, consumer spending. And matter of fact, uh, the fact that foreign countries, Europe, uh, Asia, are feeling pain in terms, and so is South America, feeling pain in their economies, and the U.S. is uh, going gangbusters, uh, there's only one reason for that, and that's the 
good old-fashioned American consumer. He's got to have everything, and he wants it all now. And uh, that's what's that? Got to have stuff. He's got to have his stuff, as Car- as George Carlin would say. Uh, so the American consumer is, is the one keeping uh, keeping the economy bouncing along. At some point, I'm afraid, though, that uh, the Europe and South America uh, and Asia issues uh, may impact us later on. But that may not be until the second half of uh, 20, uh, 2015. That being said, the economy in 2014 in terms of interest rates has been stable. Uh, doesn't look like the feds are going to be raising, uh, has not raised interest rates and not looking to raise interest rates. And they even stopped, I think two months ago in November, they stopped buying the $80 billion of uh, treasury bonds per month to stimulate the economy. They did stop it and the economy kept growing. So either people didn't know that the government stopped buying the, the worthless paper or if they do now, they may say, "Ooh, maybe we ought to slow down our spending and save some bucks." Uh, but that's probably not likely to happen. Uh, auto sales are off the charts. Sixteen and a half million cars were sold this year. Um, I don't know if that's a record, but it is a very high number. And uh, there's a lot of new technology coming out of these new cars that have been built. And we're going to talk a little bit later about. Uh, <coughs> We're going to talk a little bit later about uh, uh, the technology. So we have uh, uh, one of our regular guests, uh, Brad Holcomb and Tony Neves from the Institute of Supply Management, otherwise known as ISM, has reported all year the uh, PMI number, formerly the Purchasing Managers Index, from 51.3 at the beginning of the year to the December 1st number that came out at 58.7, which is very strong. Um, uh, Brad has told us many times that when the number starts getting at around 60, they start getting a little concerned. Uh, So 58 is good, and uh, it reflects in, uh, uh, in a very broad stream of 18 different industries Fifteen of them are uh, are up and growing, so that's just another sign that uh, things are on the uh, right track. Uh, our production capacity has gone up five percent. Capital expenditures, this is wild, fourteen point seven percent increase for the year. That's a lot of machines being built. And uh, Tim, if you recall, you and I went to Atlanta to the Fabtech show, and we saw. These monolithic machines, uh, and they're selling like crazy. That was the largest Fabtech show in the country. Um, and, and what was interesting was that many of them were operating on iPads. So yeah, they really uh, were. It, yeah, it seems as though the technology is really um, uh, making a foothold even in heavy industry. Well, I think that's what we're going to continue to see is, uh, and and this is what's going to attract the millennials to manufacturing, is when they walk into a show like that or on the factory floor and they realize that these machines are not being run with wrenches and hammers, but with iPads and smartphones, it's really quite remarkable to see. And that's where they're going to be key to the industry, be very helpful. And I think we've seen that in some of the employment numbers. I mean, the employment's booming right now. Uh, unemployment is down to 5.8%. It's expected to go to 5.3% by the end of 2015, keeping in mind that's the U3 number that the uh, government puts out. The U6 number is generally about twice that. So somewhere between 10 and 12% of people are unemployed because a group of them have simply stopped looking for work. But there's going to be a whole plethora of jobs in 2015. It's looking very strong. Uh, this is true. Um, actually, this year, the 11 months of 2014, we added uh, a total of 3 million jobs, uh, and that's 8 million jobs over the course of the last five years since the Great uh, uh, Great Recession. And they're predicting an additional 
3 million jobs uh, for uh, next year, which would actually take the number to about 11 million, which is, I think, uh, one of the highest numbers that we've ever created uh, new jobs. And at that point, it'll be within six years. So um, Obama's done, the only thing he's, (laughs) whoops, I think the only thing he's really done right is that he's been on the scene when all this good news has been happening. I'm not sure if he's been real helpful with it. So I I apologize for my gaffe. <laughs> well, I think one of the topics we're going to get into in 2015 is government regulation. If anything is choking uh, the manufacturing industry, it's the fact that uh, each year uh, government regulation seems to creep uh, into higher and higher numbers. I think uh, back in 2011, there were 89,000 pages of new regulations. Mind you, these are not laws passed by Congress. These are regulations put together by government agencies that people have to implement. And, and manufacturing is just being choked by the inability to implement this regulation before that regulation comes out. So we'll talk about more about that in 2015. Well, I think we could try harder. We could probably get that number up to 180 million pages. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> All we have to do is try a little harder. Um, one of the, the politicians uh, do their thing. Yes. Yeah. Well, they got to do something for us. Um, regarding uh, you, you spoke earlier about the millennials, and that kind of also relates, uh, connected also to reshoring. Um, which has been a big word uh, this uh, past year. And now I I just saw something uh, within the last day or so and haven't really read up on it, but the next buzzword is next shoring. I'm not sure what it means, but we'll figure that one out come next month. Uh, But the the reshoring of bringing jobs back to America uh, due to the fact that uh, there's rising costs in other markets, the Asian markets, Um, again, the... Um, port strike doesn't help that because people are saying, hey, why do I have to wait for for more expensive goods to come into the port that's going to sit there for four, five, six weeks? Uh, according to the Journal of Commerce this morning, uh, the slowdown out there is in the neighborhood of 40 to 60 percent drop in the movement of 40 percent of goods that come into this country. So this is really a, a terrible situation, and uh, it, it certainly aids in bringing more jobs back to this country so you don't have to put up with that. Um, yeah, certainly manufacturers are looking for a more reliable supply chain and, and a shorter supply chain. And if that long distance between uh, America and Asia is hampered by what's going on in the West Coast ports where they're really – uh, it's a work slowdown. Um, I know there's lots of factors that, that uh, play into it, but at the end of the day, if you take a, a look at, I think we put out a metals and marketing, sorry, a metals and manufacturing outlook newsletter that had pictures in it of the port a year no, ago, did. and today uh, they're stacked to the sky out there with containers. Uh, they they definitely are, it, uh, and it's on our. Uh, metals and manufacturing uh, outlook newsletter and you can go to uh, www.allmetalsandforgegroup.com I'm sorry steelforge.com and you can pull up that uh, newsletter and read all about it and you can see these absurd pictures um, and and we and we know that these is being done by people that are earning 150 to 300,000 dollars a year not even to mention their ben, uh, pension benefits when they retire. So I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of sympathy for them um, in that they are causing great harm. And uh, I wonder what their um, uh, slowdown or strike pay uh, compensation is. <laughs> we may find out in the next week we, or so. We, we may, we may. Uh, as soon as they agree to federal mediators coming in to to sit down and negotiate. But I don't know if that's happening uh, so soon. Mr. O might have to come back from Hawaii and uh, put his feet in the water on this one. Yeah, when he's not interrupting a wedding so he can play a round of golf. (laughs) Uh, Somebody has to move their entire wedding party because we had to play a round of golf. 
Now, now. Um, <laughs> now, in, in terms of the Dow, you know, Lou, you and I were looking at some numbers of the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average. And it looks like in 2012 it was 13% growth through the year, and, and I think if I read 2013 right, it was 26%. Seems yeah, like a staggering number to me. Uh, yeah, what that's was correct. 2014. Uh, I guess they don't a, report on it. Uh, yeah, it won't be out until uh, probably Monday, but um, as of this morning, it was 8.5. So uh, it's significantly less, but it's a, it's a good average. Uh, 8.5% return is not so terrible. Um, yeah, it's, it's certainly strong growth. And, you know, with the, with the Dow closing over 18,000, I think everybody expected it to be a bigger number. But I guess on average, it's not. Right, right. Um, go, going back a few steps, uh, we started talking about the uh, uh, reshoring and uh, jobs and the millennials and so on. And um, it appears as though that our six to 700,000 vacant jobs in manufacturing uh we're we're trying to get that filled by uh anyone who has uh, talents and and skill sets and we're trying to get the millennials to uh look into uh the uh manufacturing sector as something better than uh uh greasy bolts and metal scrap on the floor and so on and there are five uh, organizations that um, uh, put together a program called Manufacturing Day in October, and the names of those organizations are uh, National Association of Manufacturers, who's the largest uh, manufacturing association in the United States. Uh, we had the PMA, Precision Manufacturing Association. We had the CCIA the AWS, and help me out here, Tim, there was one more. The FMA. The FMA. Yeah, the FMA. How, how could I forget? Um, and they put together this Manufacturing Day event where they got manufacturers all over the United States, all 50 states participated, where they approached manufacturers to open up their doors let the schools come in, let uh, job counselors come in, um, staffing agencies come in, and to bring in young people and show them what manufacturing is today. And uh, it was very successful. It was one day, October 3rd or Friday, which now has been named uh, Manufacturing Day officially, the first Friday of October every year by President Obama. And they had uh, 125,000 participants that went visiting manufacturing companies all over the United States. And if I'm not mistaken, there were 1,500 manufacturers that opened their doors. And uh, it was quite an event, very successful. And uh, people are looking at manufacturing and saying, hey, a $70,000 a year job in your third year isn't so terrible. Uh, it's certainly way above the uh, the poverty line of 20,000. Uh, so we're hopeful that the millennials are tuning in and listening to this. Uh, Thomas Net also ran their own program along with uh, um, the National Association National Association of Manufacturers. It was called 30 Under 30, and that was also where they were choosing people who were star millennials who. Uh, uh, made something for themselves to get themselves good jobs and training and come into manufacturing. So that was that was interesting to see uh, as well. So let's talk about Brent crude. Where is oil going? You know, right now it's sitting at about $55 a barrel. I guess the prognosticators want to say it's going to go to $75 a barrel. Personally, I'm cheering for forty dollars a barrel and gas at a buck and a half a gallon. <laughs> well, I'm personally looking at seventy-five dollars a barrel. I think that's a good number for everybody. It, it's enough of a it's a high enough dollar for the oil companies to continue to uh, be interested in searching and researching and drilling, and it uh, gives us uh, the ability to 
continue our uh, position as now being a leader, a global leader in terms of uh, selling oil to foreign countries. And uh, I think that's uh, that's a good thing. At some point, at 55 or 50 or 45, the oil companies aren't going to be so quick to drill. And, uh, you know, we do know that there are countries, China, who's playing with their um, devaluation of their currency to bring the cost of oil down. Uh, we know the Russians are doing their their thing in that regard as well. Uh, but yet, in both cases, uh, those economies aren't particularly strong, particularly Russia. Uh, and China's uh, costs, labor costs, are going up. Uh, it, they're going to wind up putting themselves in a position where they're not going to be the number one competitive country in the world. Um, actually, the U.S. has now become uh, either number one or two in terms of competitiveness. So there's a lot of exciting things that have happened uh, in 2014, and uh, everything that I'm seeing and reading, it, it's looking like that 15 is going to be uh, similar, and 2016 uh, as well. So we're kind of looking at a long-term trend, uh, and the economists that we've spoken to, uh, uh, Chris Keel, of um, he's, he's the economist uh, with the FMA uh, and an independent uh, economist consultant. Um, he's also looking at uh, what's coming over the next two years, and he's uh, very optimistic. He, matter of fact, will be on our show as a regular uh, coming at the end of each quarter to talk about the quarter. And uh, you know, kind of give us give us his uh, humorous insight into what what was and uh, what could be unless this happens or that happens. So uh, he's a funny gentleman, very very well uh, read, very knowledgeable on his topic, and uh, we'll we'll have some fun with him during the course of this coming year. If anybody's been reading on uh, oil prices across the world, uh, the reason Russia is now officially in recession is because they built their economy on oil being $100 a barrel, and Iran built their economy based on $138 a barrel. So both of those uh, economies are in real trouble. Uh, certainly Europe's trying to recover, which, which uh, Lou alluded to at the top of the hour, that it's going to be interesting to see how the United States continues to do as long as uh, oil prices are down and gas at the pump is down. The American consumer feels like they have money in their pocket to spend and they'll drive the economy. Uh, if uh, we have some problems with imports and exports, uh, we're going to be interested to see in both January when Brad does his uh, report on December and particularly in February as that report begins to reflect the the time period includes the end of the year in January, if imports and exports are going to take a hit on the GDP. Well, that, that's one that we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, I, I think the fact that auto sales being as high as they are at $16.5 million, and probably next year you're going to see a similar number. So we may be selling more more gas at a lower price, and that'll certainly keep uh, funds coming into our our system. Another area, though, uh, of of real some real successes this past year or two, and but hasn't really gotten its just notice in the uh, in the media world, and that's aerospace. Uh, aerospace is really booming, and um, there are a total of 40,000 aircraft scheduled to be built over the next uh, 20 years, uh, 20,000 of them to be built in uh, 20 years in the U.S., and another, the other half to be built in half the time by China. Um, so there's a lot of construction going on in that, in that area, uh, which also obviously helps the metals industry. Uh, aluminum, stainless steel, titanium, uh, the engine uh, component of aerospace, so the, all the high-temperature alloys, the nickel alloys, again, titanium. Uh, 
so there's, there's a lot going on. The only negative, I think, that's going on in regards to the aerospace is that um, California um, is uh, double shooting <laughs> themselves in the foot. It seems as though that, um, aside from the port issue, um, as of uh, 60 or 90 days ago, I did a, my, my own personal search, and I found that 150 aerospace companies have moved from California. Uh, all of those moved to the southeast, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, um, Louisiana. And there are others that have moved to, uh, and I don't know the number on this, but there were others that moved to Arizona. So uh, California, who is the number one worst financial stable state, I'm sorry, the fifth worst financial stable state in the country, uh, is only making things worse for themselves. Uh, aerospace is moving. The ports are going to be moving. Traffic is going to be moving. And um, you're going to wind up ha with having a lot of 1960 hippies out on the beach doing a Cheech and Chong. Well, certainly as California tries to pay their now approaching a trillion-dollar debt that they have to service, and the big companies are leaving the state and the employers are leaving the state, the only thing they can do is raise taxes or declare bankruptcy. Those are really their two choices. Uh, and you, know, you raise taxes and more people leave. And uh, Texas is now bragging on something that California used to brag on in the late 1970s. They have 1,000 people a day moving into Texas. Well, guess what state they're coming from? And the employers are moving there. Uh, as Lou said, and there's a big boom in the southeastern United States. That's where all these companies are going. California did another cute thing for, to their people uh, with the price of gas going down. Uh, oh. they, got, they got it on a referendum, and they kind of disguised the referendum so that the people who were quoting that were voting didn't know exactly what they were voting for. And what they wound up doing was voting in an 85 cents per gallon gas tax. Wow. California, my hat's off to you. If you can yeah, get all of this, losing industry, losing the ports, losing aerospace, losing um, uh, other industries that I don't know of right now, and raise taxes to pay off your trillion-dollar debt, good luck. But they're not the worst state. The worst state in the country, the worst state is mine, New Jersey. We are the number <laughs> one most unfinancially stable state in the United States. And uh, I don't want to say who's at fault. I know it's not a particularly friendly state. We don't have a particularly friendly governor. We don't have a governor who is welcoming business back into the state. Uh, maybe we need Cuomo because Cuomo has brought back a lot of business back into New York, um, probably from New Jersey because it's only across the river. That's right. Well, I, I remember when Christy ran, he said, you know, we're going to make this a business-friendly state. We're going to balance the books. We're going to do all these wonderful things for New Jersey. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened. Don't know that that will play out well for him in the uh, 2016 elections if he throws his hat into the GOP ring, but we'll have to see. Uh, Lou, if we're going to take a break, probably now is a good time to do it. And when we come back, we're going to talk about 2015. And some of the things that are going to happen in 2015 that we see and also the big stories that we will be following in 2015. So why don't we take a quick commercial break and we'll be back in a few moments with Manufacturing Talk Radio. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, 
aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Well, Lou, now that we're back, we're going to take a look at 2015, and uh, certainly I'm interested in some of the facts and figures that you have gathered. I know that we have had uh, Brad Holcomb and Tony Nieves from ISM on the show with their uh, annual forecast for 2015. We've had Chris Keel on the show, the FMA economist, talking about uh, what's going to happen in 2015. But let's share with our listeners what we think is going to happen in 2015. I'll preface it by saying unless. unless. So we'll so so we'll start we'll start with that point. Um, the numbers that uh, we're hearing for total growth for n- next year is in manufacturing anyway is somewhere around nine and a half percent. I think that's optimistic, and I don't think that that's uh, t- taking into effect that the uh, the port issue may t- give take a one to two point hits uh, during January and February. Um, we were told that um, if the slowdown ended tomorrow, that it would take minimal two months to straighten the ports out uh, and to bring back uh, the truck carriages and to bring the railroad back in and to bring the truck drivers back in because good many of them have left. So we, we've got a real quagmire out there that that could cause us a one to two point hit on GDP. Um, so that's that's issue number uh, number one. I think generally speaking, though, that uh, manufacturing uh, uh, machinery, equipment, new technology uh, is is going to have a major major effect here in this country. Um, again, uh, the issues with Europe, South America, and China may have a significant play in that also because as consumers guide the economy, consumers don't buy 20-ton pieces of machinery. So um, this this is a problem that uh, uh, we'll, we will still have to uh, look out for over the course of the first and second quarter. They are talking about uh, a good first, second quarter overall, and perhaps a little lightening up come the third and fourth quarter. But uh, uh, we're optimistic. Uh, All Metals and Forge Group has uh, has our highest uh, backlog that we've ever had, and um, you know that's all occurred over the last four or five months. So you know we're we're pretty pleased. Uh, and it seems as though that uh, we're going to be going into next year uh, also with a strong, uh, strong first mo- month of the year uh, activity. Um, Tim, yeah, I, I don't, not to overplay the West Coast port issue, uh, but uh, it is a significant uh, problem for both uh, manufacturing in this country with raw materials coming in from overseas. I know there is currently some idling of lines because manufacturers are waiting for their raw materials, which are currently in containers, either jammed at the port, still on board ship at the berth, or on board ship bobbing around on the ocean. So they can't get their raw materials, they can't run their lines. And exports from this country going overseas simply can't get out the door. So it's going to be a problem, and and I know that they've called in at least the PMA, uh, the Pacific Maritime Association, has called in for a federal mediator to negotiate. Both sides have to agree to that. Uh, the ILW has not agreed to it. So this could drag for a while. Um, I think here's what you're going to begin to see as an impact of that in 2015. Uh, Lou talked about manufacturers leaving the West Coast. Well, many of them are leaving the West Coast because that port situation crops up every couple of years, and currently they're talking about signing a three-year deal, not a six-year deal, because the $150 million penalty on their Cadillac health plan for the ILWU, paid for by the PMA members, Uh, will hit in 2018. So they think if they sign a contract just to get them to the 
edge of 2018, they can then talk about that issue. And what they're really hoping is that it gets uh, blown away by Congress. Uh, if you get a Republican president in, uh, they may blow away that tax, and then that issue will go away. However, for a uh, manufacturer who's looking for a stable supply chain, uh, California ports are a real problem. So they're leaving, and they're going to the southeastern United States. They're building uh, new distribution centers there, which are not likely to uproot in three years. So that's the kind of shift that I think we're going to see across the country. Luke? We're uh, we're beginning to see uh, here in the New Jersey, New York port, uh, and it is making the media as opposed to the West Coast story, which is not. Uh, there is beginning to be backup in the New York ports. Um, and that's going to cause all kinds of problems because it can only handle so much. It's operating at near capacity anyway, and if they get a 10 15% bump as part of the West Coast shift, it'll, it'll present problems here as well until they can figure out how to absorb the uh, extra activity. Um, but that's definitely something that I think is going to be coming and is one of, going to be one of the big stories for uh, 2015, and that's that West Coast to East Coast shift of goods and services. You know, if you take a, a line and draw it through Dallas through Chicago, which would give you a, 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 par a line that's um, at about 70 degrees uh, off of center, um, that's two-thirds of the country's population. And um, right now, two-thirds of all of the goods are going to California. So uh, the whole thing doesn't quite make sense. Why are we shipping two-thirds of our goods to an area that's only one-third of our population? So that's just another niche in, in the gun handle that's going to be uh, on the California shoot em in the foot event. Um, but again, not to overspeak the, the the economy and the ports, but I do think it is a critical issue that normal uh, mainstream media has not picked up on, refuses to break the uh, code of silence that the White House has imposed on this story, and um, it's uh, it's going to be a problem uh, long term. Uh, so but you're right. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about uh, the stability of the supply chain for manufacturers in 2015 and bringing on some people who can share information about stabilizing your supply chain and, and where you should plan ahead. And as that shift begins to take place, we'll also be reporting on that. Another thing we're going to be talking about in 2015 is, I know you've probably heard a little bit about it. It, it comes in two flavors. One is called the Internet of Things, and the other is called the Industrial Internet of Things. And really what's happening there is that the cost of a semiconductor uh, has come down to about 60 cents. And they can now report back to, through software, a database on what's happening, depending on how that conductor is uh, programmed. And literally, you could attach one of these to a hammer, and you could tell how many times the hammer hit a nail. So the technology can be very low-tech and still report back high-tech information. And so that's the Internet of Things, and it's going to range across a lot of categories. Connected wearables. And I know, Lou, you just bought a new iPhone, the i6, and it does all kinds of medical monitoring, does it not? Oh, it's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. It's even working when I'm sleeping. It tells me what my sleep habits were during during the course of the night. Um, it, it, if I walk, if I climb stairs, uh, my heart rate, uh, my respiratory, everything. I just have to turn it on. End of the day, I take a look at it and see how healthy I am. Um, if I see something <laughs> of concern, I call 911 and off I go. But it, but it is quite amazing uh, that uh, this is the direction that we're going in. And you and I were talking earlier uh, about um, um, information mining and uh, uh, data and the, uh, the data uh, era that we're going through. Why don't you give us a little uh, 
conversation on that, Tim. Yes, actually, what you've been hearing in the news is something called big data. And big data really means that there's going to be a cacophony of data flying at servers coming out of all of these microprocessors or semiconductors that are involved in the Internet of Things. Uh, here's an interesting development. The Internet is based on Internet protocol, and it's currently running on version 4. And under version 4, you can have 4.3 billion IP addresses. Well, that's starting to max out, interestingly enough. So the Internet is converting to IP version 6, which supports 3.7 times 10 to the 38th power Internet addresses. So that pretty much covers all of the semiconductors and little processors you can attach to anything under the sun. Uh, another thing you're beginning to see are connected cars. Uh, the new vehicles coming out of uh, GM and some of the other manufacturers are going to have Wi-Fi in the car. So there's you know more addresses, connected homes, connected cities. Uh, Lou's device, uh, when he refers to his smartphone, that's really the access point. Smartphones and tablets are the access point for big data. And where it interweaves is if he has... Uh, a, a health situation where his numbers aren't quite right, then the industrial Internet of Things bounces that over to his health care provider, and he may get a call from a nurse checking on him. These are the kinds of things that are happening. And, and I think this is where the millennials are going to fit into manufacturing because somebody has to program all this stuff. There's all kinds of middleware that has to be written between the processor on the hammer and the server that's collecting the data. So that's where the, the millennials will do well because they're so versed in these kind of devices. So we're going to be talking about the Internet of Things and the industrial Internet of Things and big data as we move through 2015 and having guests on the show. Would you say, Tim, that uh, this is, uh, in effect, the manufacturing renaissance uh, we talked about the industrial revolution, and uh, and now we're talking about manufacturing renaissance going forward in the next hundred years. Uh, these are all dramatic uh, changes. I, I can't even imagine what 50 years will be like in terms of uh, electronics and smart smart everything. I would agree with you, Lou. I think you know we talked uh, in the late. Well, in the early 1900s, the United States really shifted from an agrarian economy to an industrial age economy. The jobs appeared in the cities where the factories were. And in the late 1900s, they talked about the information age. But it, it never really arrived. The, the PC was involved in that from about 1978, uh, uh, 83 is when they really began to become more popularized. And we thought the information age was here then, it's really here now with the Internet of Things. When you can attach and gather data from almost anything, now you're looking at a true transition to an information age, out of the industrial age. There'll still be industry, no question about it, but we'll know more about what happens in industry because of all of the microprocessors. I think one of the things we're going to see are what they call lights-out factory floors, where there are no employees on the factory floor at all. They're running them from uh, glass overview floors with iPads. I think that's exactly how we're going to see things develop. We're going to see 3D printing. That's another thing we're going to be reporting on. So I, I think you're right, Lou. The, the true information age is developing now. I think that um, the one of the topics for next year do primarily as to what something has happened just recently is that security issues are going to become huge. Um, I agree. And, and the amount of uh, – they have software now, and I'm, I hope I'm going to get these numbers right. They can, they can track down a password, uh, something like 3 million passwords in about 20 minutes using uh, Black Hat-type software. Well, that's not a that's not a whole lot of time if you're really anxious to get into, you know, Goldman Sachs and uh, uh, 
um, you know, uh, the, the casinos in California, in California, or in Vegas, uh, it, it's going to be a real problem. And the, from my light reading on this and research uh, as of recent, the only way that we're going to be able to cure the security issue is double authentication. Uh, having a single password and or a single fingerprint or uh, even a ocular uh, uh, re, uh, you know, visual of your eye may not necessarily be enough. You may have to have a double authentication, including one that uh, I just heard about this uh, this morning, is that it may be in combination with you know, maybe a written password, maybe a fingerprint, and maybe a swipe across your screen in a particular direction, uh, which would be a triple uh, authentication. But the, the amount of money that's being lost today due to security issues on the global level, uh, I don't know the number, but I'm sure it's, it's staggering, and it may only be the beginning. Well, I'm chuckling a little bit because I can't remember my passwords now. I actually tell my wife if I get hit by the bus, go into my computer and you will find a cleverly hidden file entitled Passwords wow. that contains all of the passwords to all of the places I have to go. <laughs> but now i got to add, you know, i, I got to do monkey shines in front of the camera on my PC to get into my bank account. <laughs> Uh, I guess the trick is to put your money under the pillow and not, <laughs> yeah, not to worry because, because the banks may have already had your money stolen. Um, right. But I, I, I do believe that security is going to become a major issue, uh, certainly uh, at governmental levels, at manufacturing levels. You could be sure Sony is running around like crazy madmen med saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? we got to go get milk. You know, and and they are uh, probably working day and night to secure their uh, their systems, and I think that that goes for the small manufacturer also. That if you you have a tie out into the into the big world of the internet, uh, you better have uh, some pretty good um, uh, security for your systems. Uh, you you sure wouldn't want to have your competition knowing who your competitors are and your pricing and your costing and your vendors and uh, knowing where they are and how to get around uh, unfair competition uh, by breaking into your uh, systems. So this is going to become a big issue and uh, it's something that we're certainly going to be looking at uh, in, within our own company as well. Well, I know that uh, that is a big concern, is both uh, security and safety. There was a recent study out now that because of this Sony hack, uh, they're interviewing hacking experts, and they're saying really the electric grid of the United States is vulnerable. Uh, the nuclear power plants of the United States are vulnerable. And I'm not sure whether the security is ever going to resolve all of that. We may have to go to uh, a segmented connection to the Internet, where some things simply are not connected to the Internet. Uh, you know, vital infrastructure systems and what their control function may, in fact, have to be disconnected from the Internet. And some other uh, uh, analysis, data retrieval things can be connected, but I don't want anybody to have the ability on their smartphone to turn up the juice on a nuclear reactor uh, until it blows, and neither does anybody else nor do I want them you know, going into my home and turning my thermostat up to 94 degrees. So when I get home, I've got a hot house and a, uh, an electric bill that I can't pay. So it, you're right, Lou, security is going to be a huge issue. And I think it's probably well uh, overdue because the security issues have been going on for years. Uh, another story that's been well kept and uh, under the radar, uh, if you will. So this is something that, uh, and perhaps we should have a couple of shows about security and uh, you know bring this to the forefront of the manufacturers. Um, we we have uh, just a short few minutes, uh, Tim. Are there any other topics of uh, that you'd like to uh, bring up at this point? 
Well, we've talked about uh, regulation, and, and that's one area that we'll have to jump into, uh, the stability of supply chains, the Internet of Things, the industrial Internet of Things. We're going to be watching the manufacturing industry to see how, it, how it's growing uh, with all of the capital expenditure that Lou talked about uh, running at around 14%. I don't know if it'll stay that high in uh, 2015, but it will probably be uh, in the single digits, but high in the single digits. So manufacturing capacity in this country is going to grow. Jobs are going to grow. So manufacturing is going to become a higher portion of GDP. There's no doubt about that. Uh, We certainly look forward to that because that really is, if you look at any recovery from any recession, the entity, the segment of the economy that led the country out of recession that you can measure is manufacturing. And it leads it out because people are buying goods. So manufacturers actually uh, key up six to nine months, sometimes a year or more, when they see the economy gaining strength or that it will gain strength, and they begin their production. And you certainly can't turn uh, manufacturing production up in a day and get uh, goods to market that uh, consumers can buy the next day. So it takes uh, three, six, nine, 12 months sometimes for goods to move from uh, raw material state to on the store shelf. So that's why manufacturing leads the country out of recession, and it's a, clearly an, an indicator. Uh, Lou, you see it in your own company all the time. Uh, we certainly do. And uh, we are, as a result of increased uh, uh, manufacturing here and increased backlog, uh, we are seeing delays in uh, certain raw materials. Uh, we buy raw materials to do our forgings uh, not only here in the United States but overseas, and uh, the overseas one, of course, is causing problems. So, again, regarding the uh, the ports, and uh, you know, I, I hope that our listeners don't sit back after the end of the show and say, "Boy, these guys are really pumping the hell out of this uh, West Coast port issue." Well, we are because the main mainstream news has not. And they clearly are not and will not. Uh, so we, we're, we're very strong on this. I feel very passionate about it. Um, and, uh, and this goes not only for import, but it goes also for export. Um, I understand Japan is in a crisis. Something about their French fries from McDonald's is not going to arrive on time. Um, that's, the, <laughs> that's the joke of the day, but it's true. Uh, Japan is having a serious problem, and McDonald's is now moving uh, uh, French fries out of New York and some by air to Japan. It seems like they can't quite live without uh, their French fries. Um, And and there's so many others. Christmas trees have been rotting in the ports. Um, Other foodstuffs have been... uh, uh, rotting in, in, uh, at the ports. Uh, China buys a lot of chickens from us. They're rotting in the ports. I can't, can't b- believe what those con- some of those containers must smell like. Uh, but that being said, um, shortly uh, after the show, about an hour after today's show, um, our engineer Craig will be kind enough to have this show up on our podcast so if you didn't hear the whole thing or you'd like to listen to it again or notify your friends family and so on that we uh, have our show up on our podcast at mfgtalkradio.com if anyone is interested in uh, uh, advertising and or being a guest, guest, or if you have a story that you would like told as it relates to the things that we're going to be talking about uh, next year, again, uh, information at mfgtalkradio.com. And uh, Tim, do you have any final uh, words? I just want to share with our listeners that <clears throat> we appreciate our listeners. We're, we're glad that people have been listening to the show. Uh, we're doing some calculations on just what kind of listenership we have, and we've grown dramatically over the last year. So we're really looking forward to expanding the show uh, in terms of its listenership and its advertisers in uh, 2015 and bringing to you uh, more uh, information as we have been uh, over the course of the last year. 
more actionable information that you can use from the shop floor to the C-suites. And we appreciate uh, you being in tune with Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.